Micah and Kyle, what's up guys? This is WWE NXT superstar Dominic Dijakovic. So Matt reached out to me and he said that you guys were on a podcast, which is an amazing podcast called Wrestle Life Radio. And uh, you got a one year anniversary coming up. So congratulations on that. That's a massive, wonderful accomplishment. As far as I'm concerned, most podcasts probably don't go more than like five weeks so uh, one year is a pretty huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Uh, it's definitely a great podcast. You guys are definitely doing an outstanding A-plus job. If you're a, a listener watching this or a potential listener watching this, be sure to tune in to the Wrestle Life Radio podcast. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, so congratulations to everybody involved. Great work. Great job. Keep up the good work. And don't forget to feast your eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm back and better than ever. And yes, I know I've done it multiple times. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Matt, 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 what? I'm in a Zoom meeting. You're making too <laughs> much noise. I, you told me you're going to record. You didn't tell me you're going to sing. You're making too much noise. No, I'm in a Zoom meeting. Can I finish this, please? I'm in a Zoom meeting. <laughs> If you don't know what we're talking about, please hit up uh, the Wrestle Life Radio Facebook page. We have posted about The Miz and Maurice, and uh, it's hilarious. But yeah, my name is Matt Sin, and I'm here with my little brother Micah and my cousin Kyle. Say hey, guys. No. Perfect. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just honestly, I'm just trying not to be associated with you two, personally, at this point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we got to do what I, what I said almost a minute ago now. I was singing here at Bischoff's theme, and that's a segue, guys. It's called a segue. What real professionals do to get from one segment to the other. Because you see, this day in wrestling history, 18 years ago, a man with jet black hair walked across the screen, and Booker T said, Tell me, I didn't just see that. Because Mr. Eric Bischoff debuts... For World Wrestling Entertainment. I think that when I was growing up, he was my least favorite person. <laughs> I hated Eric Bischoff. Like, there weren't yep. a lot of heels that I genuinely hated as a child. Yep. But uh, I hated Eric Bischoff. I mean, I would have yep. spit on him if I would have saw him in the street. Because wrestling was real to me. I just yep. started sweating bullets because you said Booker T said. And I was like, please don't say anything about Hulk Hogan. <laughs> no, I don't think I can quote that one. Uh, also, 14 years ago today, um, the Generation X defeated the Spirit Squad in Saturday Night's main event. Oh, poor we Dolph. all remember that. Poor Dolph. <laughs> also, zero days ago, Eric Bischoff appeared on a podcast with Tony Khan. So, uh, yeah, check that out on AW's YouTube. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, and I like Tony Khan, but if you want to hear somebody kiss... Bischoff's butt the entire time. So hard. <laughs> Go Just check out this podcast. Yes, please, Mr. Bischoff, give me another. <laughs> it was... Well, he was a huge WCW fan, right? Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. And he reminded Bischoff of it several times, but... <laughs> Now I have to go back and watch it. Oh Bishop is like, what, do you want an autograph or something, kid? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So we're uh, we're here to talk about this week in wrestling. And uh, we have quite an interesting week. Because I believe 
that not only did AEW Fighter Fest Night 2 happen, but we had a interesting Raw show that was the lowest-rated Raw of all time, coupled with perhaps the worst segment of all time on SmackDown. This should be a fun show. Sure. <laughs> Depends on what your definition of fun is. Uh, speaking of fun, <laughs> would we like to get the uh, the fun out of the way? Get yeah, the fun folks, out. We've got a we've got a good like first forty five minutes, and then after <laughs> that, you're gonna hear uh, three adult males just just whine for the next hour <laughs> probably about the state of WWE. So stay tuned possibly, for that. Possibly deserved, and I'll tell you, Raw wasn't as bad as you're expecting. Uh, matter of fact, the last few times I've watched Raw, I've, I've somewhat enjoyed, not every time, but some of them. Uh, but I'm glad I didn't watch SmackDown. And I don't want to spoil, I don't want to step on Kyle's toes. I'm going to let him talk about it. But, oh man, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Well, it's good to hear, at least Matt, you contributed to that, uh, that low, low number for uh, Raw. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm one of the 1.56. Did, did you watch it live? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Props. I had props to watch it live because we had to do. I had to do a indie focus with Vert Vixen out this Saturday, uh, right before this recording. So oh, I did nice. that, and uh, I often, just so everyone knows, I often record raw, watch it right before the podcast, and then I get on and and review it. Uh, but I couldn't do it this week. That's okay. I watched it live while I was doing my taxes. Which was more boring? Uh, well, the taxes. But if it was SmackDown, yeah. it might have been SmackDown. But like, let's, let's, get, let's, get okay, let's get an AEW. That's right. Fighter yeah. Fest Night 2. I'm really excited to talk about this, so let's do it. I am too. Uh, we open up the show with Private Party versus Kenny and Hangman, which I was not expecting. I kind of was thinking that this would main event the show, but I'm glad it didn't. It would. I mean, okay, so let's, let's, let's just get this out of the way. NXT beat AEW again uh, yep. in viewers. AEW still winning in the demo, and everybody says it's what matters, but I feel like it's what a loser would say, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is it is what matters to advertisers, so technically it is what matters, but, you know. Yeah, well, it, does, it doesn't really matter to me. All that matters to me is we get two good wrestling shows. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so you had the main event of the evening coming up, which is going to be Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. I'm glad this opened up the show instead of main evented it, because it wasn't... It wasn't main event quality match. Um, it wasn't I, I nearly as good as Omega and Hangman versus the Best Friends. Not even yeah, close. and we just had that. And this is kind of a, a thrown together uh, kind of thing because this was only thrown in because Moxley and Cage didn't happen. They wanted a championship match on right. the second night. So they threw this one in there. And it's okay. I mean, you, you, you had private party, I guess, because – it's okay if Kenny and, and Hangman go ahead and beat them because they're not going to win the belts, okay? There's there's no chance. Spoiler alert, Kenny and Hangman won, right? Yep. Uh, Hangman played the heel throughout most of this match, in my opinion. Uh, you had a couple cool spots with from, from uh, Private Party. Uh, but I just they're still not clicking to me. They're really not. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of them. They're, again, they, they do spots really well. But I just don't feel like they're entirely cohesive in the storytelling of a match. Would you would you agree on with that, or is am I just biased? Or, or, or I understand where you're coming from. I think that they have improved in their time in AEW. They have. Uh, are 
are they as good as many of the other tag teams on the roster? No. As far as a storytelling point, as far as being flippy, they're incredible. Yeah. But no, I, I think they are good. Uh, are they great yet? No. Yeah. And it's also worth mentioning, I think, uh, I just learned today, they're younger than I am. So they're still very young. Yeah. So they've got plenty of growing to do. And they're definitely future stars. I just don't feel like they're there yet. So I was fine with seeing them them lose this match. Um, Kenny and Hangman won with the last call, which is great. Um, and I will say this is probably this was probably Kenny and Hangman's worst match, not by their fault, but it's just like their matches are always so good. They're they're always okay. five. They're almost they're all almost always four to five stars in my opinion. Yeah. And this one was I don't know maybe a three star match two two and three quarters I don't know. It was just an average. Regular match, which is okay, because everybody's a lot allowed to have an off week, especially if you're just thrown together. So yeah, they they get, get they get they get a pass, but it's not what I would expect out yeah. of Hangman and Omega. Uh, after let me, that, okay, let me ahead. ask your opinion on something before we move on. Okay. And Kyle, I don't know if you have actually heard it yet or not, so I don't know if you can speak to this. Private Party changed their theme song about a month ago. I absolutely love their old theme song, and I absolutely hate the new one, and I wanted to know if it was just me. I 100% agree. Their new song is terrible, and their old song is great. Yeah. Um, I haven't even noticed. Yeah. Uh, it's shots. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, all, it's, it's just shots, 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 shots. That's the song. Yeah. Okay. It's not good. The old one was very good. Yeah. The old one was much better. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't know if they'll go back to it or not. Would it be a better karaoke song? No. Maybe? <laughs> I mean, maybe, because there's only one word. <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of words to memorize whenever you're slammed and trying to do karaoke. Just mm-hmm. asking for a friend. Okay. But <laughs> is it Mr. Pritchard over there in the corner? Uh, yeah. Go yeah, ahead. I, I agree. I, I think the new song's terrible. Uh, after that, we have Lance Archer versus Joey Janela. Lance Archer, they had a little scuffle. Him and Janelle had a scuffle last week. So I guess they threw together this match for this week. Lance Archer comes out, and typically he, like, throws around a jobber when he's coming out. But this time, he's carrying Sonny Kiss over his shoulders like he's King Kong. And he just picks Sonny up and and throws him like he's nothing. It was hilarious. So so one thing uh, about, about this little interaction here. Next week at Fight for the Fallen, Cody's title match is going to be against Sonny Kiss. Yes. So you have Lance Archer bury Sonny Kiss. Lance Archer just lost to Cody. And now Sonny Kiss gets a title shot against Cody. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. I know that Sonny Kiss got a lot of unfair hatred because he was getting this title shot because of who he is and what he represents. So Cody came out and he said, Hey man, if you're not cool with having a gay guy, get a title shot. You can unfollow me. That's great. But in the mix of all that crap, there are very legitimate complaints that have what is supposedly your second biggest championship in, in the, in the company have it being defended against a guy who has been on TV, I think, three total times, and has one sole win 
on TV slash pay-per-view, and that was Fight for the Fallen last year over Peter Avalon, who has zero total wins in the company, period. So does this guy deserve a title shot? Absolutely not. And AEW is really big on kayfabe. Yeah. Maybe he deserves it. Real sports feel, they say. Maybe he deserves it as a wrestler. Maybe he does. So deserve it as a kayfabe competitor? Absolutely not. I would say this in defense. Do they have a ranking for the for the TNT championship? So technically, they showed a picture of Mox and Cody, and then a top five singles men's wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kinda, but not really. Well, I was going to say if they don't, this could be very much like how Daniel Bryan described how he would be as an Intercontinental Champion, where he would just take on any comer that was like a young and up and coming wrestler that he wanted to wrestle, who he wanted to give a shot at just to test himself or whatever. So if they want to play that angle, I think they should obviously make it pretty clear, but that could be what they're kind of taking it as. So it's not necessarily a, you have to be a number one contender to get a shot at this because it is a championship that Cody's going to frequently defend on TV. Uh, So you can't just have him like run through number one contenders because then nobody would ever get over. Well, Cody Uh, has said that it's, it's an open challenge, which is fine because you had like, you've had, um, Ricky Starks, I think was his name. He wasn't even yeah. signed when he got his title shot. So it's an open challenge to literally anybody. But my problem is they're booking this, again, as a pay-per-view card for Fight for the Fallen. and Lance Archer kills the guy. Right, yeah, the week before. Yeah. The week before. It's just it's bad. Yeah. That's totally and, a valid argument. We'll I get mean, into it sure. a little bit. He kind of redeems himself a little bit in the match, but... It's just it doesn't it doesn't make kayfabe sense. It doesn't make sense in a real sport uh, kind of feel. I mean, if if you're gonna treat it, it's a pay per view, so it should be like a playoff game almost. You know, it you shouldn't let I don't know uh, like Western Michigan in. Sorry for all you Western Agreed. Michigan fans. Yeah. Or actually, just regular Michigan fans. Um, Ow! I can hear them pounding that uh, unsubscribe button right now. All three of them <laughs> at the most. Uh, yeah, it, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, yeah, we'll get into the actual match between Archer and Janela. Uh, first of all, uh, is this an ODQ match? I no. mean, it's an AEW match, so I guess technically it is. But I was halfway through the match and I was like, wait, did I, did I, did, when the table started coming out, I was like, hold on, did I, and then the chairs, like, did I miss, no, 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 I didn't, I don't think I missed that. They would have mentioned if it was an ODQ match. I mean, we had tables, we had chairs, we had interference, we had snakes. The only thing we didn't have was ladders because I guess they didn't want to infringe on WWE's copyrights. But did we have planes? Uh, no, but they did have trains and automobiles. Um, <laughs> yeah, you said I snakes. So I, I didn't know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I mean, I've been watching AEW since the beginning of Dynamite, or, or since uh, All Out, the the first All Out. Okay. So that's almost a year, right? Maybe it is a year. I've been watching AEW, and I said at one point maybe I'll get used to it, but I'm still not used to it. Again, we're going back to their saying they have a real sports feel. You've got to make rules, guys. You've got FTR that are coming in, and they're blasting the tag team division, which is great. I think they need that. You know, they're saying they're, they're bad-mouthing, and all this is in kayfabe, I understand. They're, they're bad-mouthing Lucha Bros for not using the tag rope, not following the counts, blah, blah, blah. They need somebody to come in to 
just AEW in general, like if they want to bring back the four horsemen like they're talking, they need to bring back some old school wrestling guys that are like, okay, why can we send people through tables in a regular match? What is the point of having no DQ, unsanctioned matches, if you can just, in the middle of a match, send somebody through a table, you can interfere. I mean, what is what is the point? Through this match, you had uh, you had the table, you had the chair, you had two interferences. It was just, it's ridiculous, guys. I mean, come on. We've, we've got we've to gotta reel it back. Um, <clears throat> Janela, actually, he did have quite a bit of offense at the beginning, but it didn't really last very long. Um, Archer took control pretty quickly. Uh, he's beating him up going into the break. Janela, when he comes back to the bake, he tries to get a little bit of offense, but Archer pretty much did his thing where he just shrugged it off. Uh, again, Jake distracted the ref with his snake sack uh, because, you know, why not? And that allowed Sonny Kiss to interfere and hit Archer with a 450 splash. So, yes, a little bit of redemption as we were talking earlier. Yeah. And actually, I thought for sure that this was – I thought this was going to be the end. I was like, there's no way they have Joey Janela beat Archer on TV. What are they doing? Right. But no, Archer actually did kick out at two, which was, which was a good decision. Um, yeah, he, he quickly recovered from that, and he was able to take Joey Janela and give him a blackout through the table for the win. I just don't get it. I don't get it. So, I, I think like my it. only the only thing you can say about that is Joey Janela set up the table. So, but Archer didn't like accidentally push him through. He destroyed him through it. So I don't I understand what you're saying. And it's not like I give a little bit more leniency for the championship matches. I understand the thing of we don't want a championship match in the no DQ. This match did not matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. And I know we bash on Raw and SmackDown for every night having a DQ after DQ after roll up after DQ, but this is just too far in the in the opposite in the other way. Um, yeah, I get it. I, they could have just made it a no DQ match. How much better would the match have been if it was no DQ? Joey Janela versus Lance Archer. Oh my right. gosh. But I don't know. Uh, I do feel like this match kind of reheated Archer a little bit. Um, uh, he had that terrible loss to Cody. And you know what? Janela did play a babyface pretty well. But we got to follow the rules. That's Right. That's I agree. Too much. Uh, after that, we had Taz and Brian Cage come out, joined by Tony Schiavone in the ring. And Taz has been uh, pushed as having a major announcement. I wasn't sure what this was going to be. Uh, Taz came out and he cut a very good promo in my opinion. You know, he's winning me over. I, I know I said it at the beginning, I didn't know why he was a manager. I didn't feel like his promo work was that great, but he's been doing really good recently. Yeah, he's incredible. Um, he was talking about John Moxley and how, you know, he's chickening out and all this. And he was saying, you know, John Moxley is coming into this match of champion, but he's not going to be the only one coming to this match of champion. And I was like, hold on, are we getting an impromptu match between Brian Cage and Cody? That's where my mind went. I was like, that yeah. would be great for Brian Cage to squash Cody. I would love that. But no, he breaks out the FTW championship, uh, the championship that he himself created over two decades ago in ECW. And yeah, Brian Cage is now your FTW champion, which um, stands for forever the winner, I think. I think it means I, I think it means for the win. Yeah, I, win. I, that's what yeah. I think it means. Yeah, I think that's what it stands for. Uh, but yeah, Taz was great on the mic. Uh, a lot of people were like, "Well, AEW doesn't need another championship right now. It's not a real championship. It's not. It's not a real thing. It's just, it's just, it's bringing nostalgia back with Taz, and it's just adding a little stipulation to the match to bring a little bit more attention to it. 
I think it's a pretty good idea. I've seen a lot of hate for people saying, well, WWE just did it with the U.S. championship, and I think Impact did it with the, T- or the uh, TNA title. And it's okay, but this was recorded like a week before those aired, so you can't really fault them for that. It's just a lot of people had that idea, I guess. Um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I feel like what I think is going to happen is Brian Cage is going to face John Moxley, I wouldn't be surprised to see that match have a screwy finish, but I think I said the same thing on Brody Lee, and it didn't, and both of them looked right. fine. So, I don't know. I don't see Brian Cage taking the title off of John Moxley. Maybe no. they use this to kind of keep a little bit of, of uh, uh, heat, I guess, on Brian Cage after he does lose. He'll be rolling around with this, defending it. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I don't. I don't think it was bad. I've seen some people crapping on it, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, and go ahead. I I agree with you. Yeah, I I don't think it's bad. I think it was a, a smart move. But after that, we have what is a true pay per view level match, in my opinion, and that <laughs> is FTR and the Young Bucks. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought the Nyla Rose match was next. No, and no, I'm like, what are you? No. What are you doing? I was confused why you're laughing because this is like one of the best matches ever. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers and the Butcher and the Blade. And I'll be honest with you, I was not super hyped for this match. I was like, okay, this I is was. Kinda, this is kind of weird. And uh, I, I, I was kind of excited to see the storytelling with uh, FTR and the Young Bucks teaming together. But I was like, okay, Lucha Bros are great, but. Butcher and Blader's kind of there. I'm sure Young Bucks and FTR is going to get the win, and this is going to be in. No, this match was freaking amazing. Kyle, did you watch yeah. this match? Uh, I saw parts of it. Okay. It was so well, good. Basically just the highlights of it. Okay, so the whole match then, if you saw the highlights. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. I miss the Lucha Brothers so much. They're so- yeah, they're my favorite tag team in the world. They are. They're amazing. Uh, you had, I, I mean, I can't go over, I can't go over this whole match. It's too much. It's yeah. so packed. Can we please, can we please go over the Canadian Destroyer to the outside though? Yes, for sure. Uh, before that though, uh, Ray Phoenix had a really cool spot where he ran the ropes and by running the ropes, I don't mean that he was bouncing himself off the ropes. I mean, he was literally on top of the ropes and he ran down the ropes to kick Nick Jackson in the head. Yes. He's, he's an insane person. Uh, there was a spot where both Nick and Phoenix were on the top turnbuckle, and then Nick's hit Phoenix. Nick hit Phoenix with a hurricane rod, and they did, both did that thing where they bounced up on the turnbuckle too. It's just it's it was crazy. Right. Uh, and yeah, like you said, we had something I've never seen in wrestling before. I think a lot of people are saying they've never seen it in wrestling before. Ray Phoenix hit Nick Jackson with a Canadian Destroyer to the outside, over the top rope. Yeah. Onto people. Onto, yes. onto a bunch onto a of lot people, of people. Which is good because otherwise they would have died. Right. Well, they oh could have died God. doing this, honestly. Could have. Could have. But it, this was ridiculous. Um, I mean, it, 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 this, was, this was spot of the night. This is maybe... this. I will say this match is probably the first time in a while from AEW I've been just like, wow. What a match. I mean, we've had some good matches, but through the COVID era, a lot of them kind of fall flat. But this match was like straight up, like the same way I felt through some of the matches at Revolution. It's just so good. 
It was so good. And not only that, you had the storytelling between FTR and the Bucks. They were working together. FTR even threw a super kick, which that they don't do that. That's not yep. their thing. Uh, you had had them doing their double team maneuvers together. It was just really good, really good storytelling. Just some fantastic spots. Uh, but in the end, surprisingly, Lucha Brothers actually came up with the pin. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Matt Jackson accidentally yeah. hit Harwood with a uh, super kick yep. off the apron. And that allowed, I think it was Pentagon. Was it Pentagon to make the pin for the win? Yes. Uh, man. And this sets up next week at Fire for the Fallen, FTR versus Lucha Brothers. I'm I can't excited. Wait. That's My two favorite so tag good. teams in the world. So, so good. Yeah. It's going to be uh, really good. So basically, the end of the match, just to kind of. I want to make sure we get the storytelling part. So Matt did kick Harwood, and after it was over, like Harwood and Wheeler, sorry, I wanted to call him Wilder. Uh, yeah, their names Cass, are still dumb. Yeah, yes, they are. They came in and they like gave the young bucks a fist bump, and they're like, "It's cool, guys," and then they left. So I, I'm waiting for that heel turn because it's coming. Yeah, I have a feeling it's not cool. Yeah, it's <laughs> not cool. The narrative comes <laughs> over. It was not. <laughs> Yeah. If also, I would I would bet money that the uh, Canadian Destroyer spot spot is going to be in the intro next week. I bet oh, it yeah. is. Feeling one hundred percent one of those spots that's going to be iconic for a while. Yeah, I don't know, man. The chemistry was so good. It's like I the really... uh, Ultimate X when uh, they jumped off of it or whatever, and it was in the TNA intro for like a million Forever. years. Yeah. <laughs> I really I hope that they can have this Bucks FTR feud extend out to crowds. I, man, I don't know the way things are going right now, but I need that in front of a crowd. I really do. But I don't know. We'll see. If it's not, it'll be like the biggest robbery. Like the the McIntyre championship and everything, and a lot of stuff that happened at Mania. Mm-hmm. It was Otis and Mandy. disappointing. Yeah, disappointing that it, it wasn't in front of crowds. But if FTR and Young Bucks isn't in front of crowds, that's that's a big deal. Hey, at least uh, pretty soon it seems like everybody in Florida is going to have antibodies. So yeah, that'll that's be nice. good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Florida. Yeah, let's let's. Never mind. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, anyways, after that pandemic jokes, yay! <laughs> after that beauty of a match, we had what Matthew was thinking was the match of the night, and that is Nyla Rose in a handicap match against Jobber Number One and Jobber Number Two. I don't remember yeah. the names because they don't matter. It was disappointing. So they've been hyping up this whole time that Nyla was going to be in action, which of course means she's facing a jobber, but she was going to have this big announcement. I've, I had a feeling going into it you'd be disappointed. And a lot of people are like, oh, you set yourself up for disappointment. But no, they set us up for disappointment. That's correct. It's not our fault. They So after the match... Okay, Nyla, Nyla beat him. Okay, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go over it. She beat him. She beat him quickly. She basically made an announcement saying that she's looking at Karashita. And she said, and I quote, I firmly believe my actions spoke louder than words. Uh, no. You just, you just squashed two jobbers. I mean, you said you're going to make a big announcement. What's... What's the deal? And then she goes on to actually use her words, because I guess her actions didn't speak loud enough. 
And <laughs> she said that she's taken it upon herself to hire a manager. But she refused to announce who it was, but promised that like everyone else who has a manager, that they that she would get a title with it. But literally the only person in AEW that has a manager that's gotten a title is Cody. Uh, Brian Cage has a title. Uh, okay, that's not real. <laughs> But, I mean, she was saying, like, yeah, if you get a manager, that's a sure way to get a title. Really ask Sean Spears. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. And who's it going to be? I don't know. I thought I thought maybe Kong is coming back because I think she's done filming. And yeah. from what I've heard, she's not in the greatest shape to be wrestling. Her body's taking a lot of a toll. So I don't know if yeah. we'll be getting her in action very much uh, when she does return. I've heard some people say Vicky Guerrero. And yeah. first of all... Gross. No, that's a terrible pairing, in my opinion. I don't want that yeah. at all. See, my wife, my beautiful wife, is like, oh, I'd love to see Vicky because she loves Vicky, like we all do, right? Yeah, I, I like Vicky. Yeah, and I said, I don't want her in that role, though. No, that would be a terrible pairing. Yeah. And, and like, so uh, AEW Unrestricted is AEW's podcast. Uh, Nyla Rose was being interviewed on there, and apparently her and Vicky are good friends in real life. Okay. Which is cool. That's great, but Nyla Rose, the character, and Vicky Guerrero, the character, do not mash up at all. Yeah. I mean, it would be like making MVP Aleister Black's manager. Right. It's kind of the same the same thing. It's just like the characters don't go together. You've got this brooding beast, and then you've got this kind of comedy, uh, kind of charismatic person. It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that pairing. We'll see where it goes. She basically told Sheeta to hold on to the belt for her because she's coming back to get it. Um, they had a nice little nod where they had the camera focused on Sheeta, but then it kind of also was focused on Penelope Ford, which maybe says she's still in the title picture. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't, um, Also, Archer does, doesn't have a title. Also worth right. mentioning. <sighs> he should, but he doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, we'll see where this goes. And my only... My only thought is maybe her manager, whoever it is, wasn't able to make it because of COVID. Because a lot of people have tested positive here recently. That's the only mm, excuse I can find for them not being there. Right. You know, maybe they just maybe they legitimately didn't want to release it yet. It's a bad idea after building it up so much. I don't know. Anyways, after that, I have here in my notes that Cole Cabana has boo boo. He has a big boo boo. Oh boy! Apparently, it was legit too. My poor it's... wife is like, I want to look it up to make sh- look it up online and make sure he's not dead because we watched it a couple days after it was posted. <clears throat> and so make sure he's okay. I'm like, he's he's fine. We wouldn't we would have heard about it by now. Yeah, I don't know how it happened because it didn't happen during a match. I don't think. Yeah, I think um, it happened the week before. I, I did it. I don't know. It was a hem- hematoma. I think is what they call it. The hematoma. Yeah. It was big old bruise thing. But, like, uh, it's gross. It's all sticking out and stuff. It's not fake. They would not have went through that much trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, Cole Cabana is a freaking trooper for making it through this next match with oh, yeah. whatever it is he's got going on inside of him. Uh, he didn't do much, to be fair. But the fact that he walked up the ramp, because I'll be honest with you, you could just put me on some morphine, and I'll be out until that heals. Uh-huh. I'm not making it through that. But, yeah, we it had a... really bad. Yeah, it looked awful. We had a six-man tag between SCU and the Dark Order of Colt Cabana, uh, Stu Grayson, 
and Brody Lee. Uh, also worth mentioning with the injury, uh, Brody Lee almost phrased it like he was like, oh, yeah, you got like jumped and thrown into a guardrail or something. You know, it almost sounded like to me Brody was like, yeah, you got jumped. Maybe it was like a Dark Order guy that jumped Colt Cabana so he would be reliant on Brody. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. That's kind of where I went with it. But anyways, uh, I think it's interesting when Colt Cabana debuted. He came in assisting SCU against the Dark Order. And look where he is now. Uh, you've yeah, got... Sure. Man, I've, to be honest with you, of all the matches of the night, I remember this one the least. Uh, not yeah. that it was bad. It was just kind of... It was just there. Yeah. Um, Colt Cabana really didn't do much. I think this match could have been better. Uh, basically, Brody Lee and Grayson handled everything. And Grayson not, looked really good in this match. He, he did look very good in this match. They took out, I think it was Daniels with uh, uh, Brody Lee's finisher, the Lariat, the Super Lariat. And he ordered Grayson to tag Cabana in. So Cabana just kind of like a confused child walked into the ring, like, oh, really? It's for me? It's for me? <laughs> and then he pinned Daniels for the win. So yep. that made Daniels look real bad because it was like a, like a 12 count, but. Yeah, so uh, Cole Cabana is, I guess, with the Dark Order. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100% for it, but we'll see. Hey, don't forget about the big swole angle. That oh, was right, right, right before the Nala Rose match. That was right before this, it's forgettable because I didn't like it. No, um, no, I didn't like it. So it's you cut the big swole, and I don't know. Maybe it's pedantic, but so we're like halfway through the pay per view, right? Yeah, and then it cuts outside. To Big Swole rolling up with her suitcase for whatever reason. Because, uh, I mean, the match is the show's already half over. So, obviously, she's not there for the audience. She's not got a match. And they're like, no, you can't come in. And she's like, why not? Why can't I come in? I just drove all the way from Tampa or whatever. And they're like, oh, you've got a restraining order. Or you've been, uh, you've been, was it suspended? Suspended, yeah. Suspended. Yeah. You've been suspended for your attack on Britt Baker. And she kind of, she kind of pitched a fit. And I was like, okay, okay, I got you. And then you cut to Britt Baker on her Rolls Royce by the commentary desk. And what is obviously... Still great. Which is, yeah, it's great. Which is obviously still Big Swole in a hoodie. Um, I mean, not many other people have braids like her. I mean, it's, it's yeah. obviously Big Swole. And this is later on in the show, by the way. Yeah, it's later on in the show. She comes up and she like... Starts berating Britt Baker and they all freak out and Reba or Rebels trying to keep between them. And then Britt Baker like pushes or shoves Reba. And then that makes her hit Britt Baker in the already injured nose and bust her nose. Uh, Britt Baker actually posted a photo. I think this whole angle was just for this one photo, if I'm being honest, of her having surgery uh, with her nose all bandaged up because she actually did have surgery to repair her nose from where Hikaru Shida broke it yep. uh, a little while back. So this whole angle was probably just for that. And again, it's it's building to uh, Swole versus Britt at, what did she say? It's, she was coming back on. Was it is it all out this year? She should I don't be back remember. for in September, she was saying. So I'm sure we'll get a big blow off for that. I don't yeah. know. It was just there. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. There's no, there's no reason to hate it, but it was just there. Uh, I forgot it, so obviously... I did like the idea of there being consequences for your actions. I think a lot of times in wrestling, we're like, 
oh, it's okay. Like it's just people, wrestling. Like yeah, putting like, people to a table? Moving someone's eyeball or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, which we'll get to in Raw. <clears throat> but I uh, I don't know. In real life, if a company suspends you, they're not going to let you drive all the way there and be like, hey, guess what? No, they'll call you on the phone and be like, don't come to work. So I understand your complaint. But at the same time, it was I, I liked it better than you did. Yeah. I mean, I didn't dislike it. It was just there. It was a thing. Yeah. And also, again, having having repercussions, maybe if you put somebody through a table, you get disqualified. <laughs> right. That's all I'm saying. But after that, man, I'm just thinking back. There's more things they should have got disqualified for in the main event. Orange yeah. Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. I liked it. So don't let, I, that, don't let that fool you. Uh, I did see a lot of people disappointed by this match, and I don't know why. That's because I, Chris Jericho said, this was one of the best matches I've had in my 30-year career, which is not true. Was it really good? Yeah. But is it a top 10 Chris Jericho match of all time? No. Sorry. It, I mean, it could yeah. be. No way. I, I mean, it a lot. It, I think Chris Jericho should have said, I enjoyed this match more than any in, in my life, and that's probably true. Yeah. It's entirely possible that working with Orange Cassidy is one of the most enjoyable experiences in wrestling. Yeah. But... Uh, and it's not I, like he came out and said this was the greatest wrestling match ever, right? Like a oh, month before they actually had. Oh man, they should have. That would have been great. Uh, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, there's a reason this lost to Keith Lee versus Adam Cole." Now, the reason this lost to Keith Lee and Adam Cole is because Keith Lee and Adam Cole are two of the biggest names in NXT, and it was a yeah. title versus title match, and that's literally the biggest match they could have put together. And yeah. this was supposed to be a title match, but they gave it to Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, which I think. Was the right decision. Uh, yep. Putting the Aren't title match. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Putting the uh, putting the tag title match here would have been poor. Uh, the eight man title match or eight man tag match was a better match, but this had a lot of build up. It's Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy, so hey, main event. I get it. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning. I think Orange Cassidy is probably the wrestler most affected by the lack of crowds. Yeah. I think if anyone in AEW's roster or in any roster really is affected by having no crowds, I think it's Orange Cassidy. Not to say he's bad because of it, but just because of how amazing he is with it. Yeah. And I hope that when crowds come back, we haven't oversaturated them with Orange Cassidy to where he doesn't get the pops he was getting. I kind of hope that after this, he kind of fades back a little bit. He goes to being the best friend's manager for a little while, and we let him simmer for a little bit. Because I yeah. don't want to overexpose Orange Cassidy. I think that kind of might ruin the character. I think okay. it's good he got this main event spot. I think it's good he got to wrestle Chris Jericho because, I mean, any wrestler out there wrestling Chris Jericho, that's got to be a dream. I think he's one of the greatest of all time. Most people do. So I think it's great that he got this spot. I think he's great that he was there to main event this match. I think he proved that he's main event worthy with this match. But I think they should pull him back. I don't think they need to be main inventing him again. I don't think he needs another big uh, storyline to delve into at this time. Okay. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um, when he comes out, he makes a stupid baby face move. And he's like, no, best friends, go back. I don't need you. And guess what? Chris Jericho comes out. And he's got the proud and powerful. Yep. Because he's a heel. And Orange Cassidy is a baby face. And baby faces are generally kind of dumb. Yep. Uh, there were some cool spots in this match, some really cool spots. Uh, Jericho is picking apart Orange Cassidy. He's applying an abdominal stretch. He grabs onto the rope, but Aubrey Edwards kicks his hand off because she's awesome. 
and this allowed Orange Cassidy to fight out with the hip toss. Uh, Aubrey Edwards always gets the pop out of me. She's the best ref. Uh, Cassidy did. Oh my gosh, I'm so so sad that this missed crowds. Orange Cassidy's doing his shin kick thing where he just nonchalantly kicks him in the shin, and he pulls back to do his final little shin kick, but he super kicks Jericho in the face. It was so good. That would have blown the roof off with a crowd. So good. It, it was, I think actually I was watching it with Riley and, and somebody else, and I think she may have missed it. She was talking to somebody. I was like, no, no, rewind that. You're not missing this. We're, we're going right. back to this. And then we watched it. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. I watched it again. I, I still love it. Uh, Jericho had Cassidy in the lion, lion Tamer, but Cassidy was actually able to counter it with a small package power driver for a very close – close to a three count, like a 2.75 count, but Santana and Ortiz interfered because no disqualifications, and they threw orange juice in Orange Cassidy's face. And at this point, best friends are like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have went back, and they come out, and they're fighting proud and powerful. Um, Jericho then capitalized on the distraction and used a baseball bat. I think we can go back to my earlier comments for this. I don't need to say it again. Yes. Uh, Jericho attempted a lion salt. Uh, he hit a lion salt, but Cassidy wasn't there to land on. Uh, J- Jericho's still amazing at 49 years old hitting lion salts. I couldn't hit a lion salt if I tried. Nope. For I could try for a year, and I probably couldn't hit a lion salt. So props to you, Jericho. Uh, but Cassidy answered that lion salt with a, a Michinoko driver, I think it's pronounced. Yes. Very close three counts, or very close to a three count. But it all ended when Cassidy caught the Judas effect. The Judas effect out of nowhere, some might say. Yep. And Jericho, he looked exhausted. He finally got the three count. And you can tell Jericho after this, not like Jericho the person, but Jericho the character did not expect this much of a fight from Orange Cassidy. And a lot of people are like, well, why couldn't they just put Cassidy over? Why couldn't they put? Okay, they're not putting Orange Cassidy over in this match. It's, it doesn't make any sense, in my opinion. You've got the inner circle. Keeps losing, keeps losing. Their their leader needs to beat Orange Cassidy, okay? I think when crowds come back, Orange Cassidy versus Jericho number two, have Cassidy go over then, that would be a better decision. But yeah, yeah. Cassidy was selling his butt off for the entire match. He was a great baby face. Jericho is, is Jericho. Um I think Jericho. I think Jericho's heel heat was put over in this match. I think Cassidy's baby face was put over in this match. It was the best. It was. It was just really good. Um, I think this show really surprised me. I thought this show for sure was going to be worse than the first night, but I think it was better. I actually enjoyed this pay, this this show better than I did the first night. Okay. It didn't really make any sense that I did because the first night had Best Friend versus Kenny, which I loved, or Kenny and Hangman, I should say, which I loved. Um, it had another title match, which was a Cody match. So we'll, you know, refer to last week's show for my opinion on that. But yeah, I actually did enjoy this show more. Um, would you say the same? I don't know. No, I liked this show. I liked it a lot. Did I like it better in week one though? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. But that eight man tag is probably the best, the best, uh, match that was on both nights combined. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, maybe that's putting it over for me. And then the Orange Cassidy Jericho match, I really liked it. I really did. It was very good, yes. Um, I, think- I, I would say the show had a higher highs probably than the first night, but definitely lower lows. 
Yeah. That's true. Well, I don't know. The first night had Cody. So, eh. <laughs> His Cody match was fine. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think, honestly, I think I gave last week a B plus. I think this show probably gets a B plus as well. Uh, but it's a better B plus. I just don't think it's quite an A uh, because of the lows. I mean, Nyla Rose, that whole segment was dumb. Uh, the private party versus Kenny and, and Hangman match was just okay. But yeah. I, like Kyle said, it had some higher highs. So I'd, I'd give it a high B plus. Okay. Like an 89, if that's a B plus. 89.4. Yeah. Just not quite enough to round up. Yeah, that's it. I get it. Let's get on to the better half of the show, where <laughs> we whine and complain for an hour and a half. I can't wait to hear about, because I haven't watched SmackDown but I've heard all about it, and I cannot wait to hear Kyle tell us all about it. And uh, I, I feel the need to pipe in, but I didn't watch the show, so I don't know if I can say anything. But I, I, I just that never stops me. <laughs> Matt, I get you covered. Here's what you need to know about this SmackDown show. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait, wait, oh, one more. Epic fail. <laughs> <laughs> Need sound effect because uh, that one deserved it. Uh, normally on this show, if you've listened before, you re- you know that uh, we like to review the shows as Micah just did after we go through the show. Yeah. Uh, this week, I'm reversing it. Uh, I'm going to give my grade first. This show gets an F. Straight <laughs> out the gate. No way around it. Uh yeah, an it's, F for an F minus. Like an F for no effort. I know it's <laughs> EF, but seriously, like it was an just, F for no F's given. It was either bad or just like just by the books. Yeah. And it was it's a wrestling show. There wasn't a single like clean win on the show. Only three matches, right? Other than the match that they replayed, the Money in the Bank Universal match, Universal title match, uh, Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. They replayed the whole match? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think they cut it up a little bit, but they replayed what? it. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, we'll get into it. Because, uh, yeah, I, got, I do have quite a bit to say, even though nothing happened on the show. But just talking about how bad it is. Uh, first off, we open this show with a Miz TV segment. So Miz and Morrison are out there. They say that Jeff Hardy is their guest tonight and they're in there uh, talking about, uh, they're just goofing off like they normally do. Morrison talks about how Jeff Hardy probably won't remember what's going to happen or probably doesn't know what's going to happen or something like that. Basically talking about him, you know, being inebriated or something, you know, and having a loss of memory. So this is going to go great. And so they're already dogging the dude before they bring him out. They introduce him. And much like last week when I said that, you know, Seamus clearly was booking this bar segment to, you know, insult Jeff Hardy. Uh, he still wasn't able to attend, so he was just on Zoom. But he had a bar and like a setup in the ring to humiliate this guy. And he just walked down there and took it on the chin, just accepted it. And it's like, dude, why did you even go out there? Right. Who made you go out and stand and take this? And then you attacked an innocent person. So much like that, Jeff Hardy saunters out there. And basically the entire segment is Miz and Morrison making fun of Jeff Hardy's issues, his demons. And I will say Jeff at least acted a little better and 
had some good comebacks for them. He he wasn't, you know, participating in the goofiness. He kind of let them do all that. And and at the end of it, to his credit, he did say, you didn't think I was just going to come out here and let you talk trash without me killing one of you. So he did challenge one of them after it. So he kind of saved a little bit of face, but still, like, why? Just don't even put up with it. Just go out there and punch right. somebody in the face anyway. So after the segment, which nothing happened, basically, they, they did. I guess the only notable thing is Miz and Morrison, I guess they're the new GMs of SmackDown or something, not Adam Pierce. They uh, they announced that Jeff Hardy and Sheamus are going to have a bar fight match at uh, what is it the horror the horror show at Extreme Rules? Yes, they said it on Raw about fourteen thousand times. Yeah, so that's what they're doing with the Jeff Hardy Sheamus match, and Jeff accepted it. He's like, "All right, cool." And it's funny they they preface it by saying, "We want you to take him on." in somewhere that you're comfortable, an area that you're familiar with. So you can have an advantage against Seamus and it's going to be in a bar fight. And Jeff is like, cool. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so that's all what you, you need. To the, what do you think the odds are Cesaro shows up since it's a bar fight? Uh, that would be amazing, but not going to happen. Yeah. He, he might have a an opportunity. They'd be like, Oh, by bar fight, we mean you fight the bar. Yeah. Um, so it's a handicap match. Yeah. And then Matt Hardy shows up, and it's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> Ron, Ron, Ron Killing shows up with his lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a nothing segment. I mean, and I even like Miz and Morrison, but, yeah, it's just nothing. So we got Jeff Hardy versus The Miz. Apparently Miz accepted the challenge. Uh, I'm glad Morrison didn't have to you know do the job, but. Jeff Hardy versus Morrison still would have been a better match. Uh, it was a very basic right. match. Uh, it ended. Jeff Hardy basically got the advantage, knocked Morrison off the apron as he tried to attack him. Goes up for a swanton bomb, and who interrupts him? Once again, not in person, via Zoom, Sheamus on the screen. This distracted Jeff enough to where he did not hit the swanton bomb and climbed down. And then he nearly got rolled up by the Miz, but Jeff Hardy reversed it and rolled him up himself. So he... Got away with like, you know, a win over the Miz. But it's just like, why couldn't he just beat the dude? And then like Seamus gets on afterwards and like, uh, whatever. So we have a, a roll up on the Miz to end the first match of the night. And uh, yeah, so then we had an interview in the back with Sarah interviewing Nakamura and Cesaro. Uh, talking about the tag title match they're going to have later on against the New Day. And she says... Uh, I guess she called their first title, their actually their first tag match against them an upset. So she wonders if there could be another upset tonight. And Cesaro and Nakamura obviously took offense to this. And they're basically just furious the whole time. Yeah. So then we had, uh, oh, and also <laughs> Sasha and Bailey are making their entrance. And then we got a shot of Dana in the back dancing, preparing for their karaoke showdown for later in the night. And yes, you heard me right. They had a car- they have booked a karaoke showdown, and I I heard this and I was like, "What is that? Is there a car involved? Is it a carpool karaoke this time?" Or just- <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, they just showed Dana like in a like a like a full on leather cat suit with like glasses on, dancing in the back, like practicing in like weird dance moves, and I was just like, uh, "What?" So yeah, very strange. So then we had a. WWE wins uh, women's match, not for the titles, it's non-title. Uh, Bailey and Sasha versus Alexa and Nikki. This was fine. 
it wasn't a bad match by any means, but just it had a lot of goofiness. Bailey and Sasha were, were you know, pretty good in it. Uh, since Nikki is going to have a title match coming up at the, the next pay-per-view, um, coming up this Sunday, I guess, uh, you think that they did like let her shine a little bit. She did get a lot of offense in this match. And even at one point they knocked the heels, to the outside, they got mad because they heard Michael Cole talking about them on commentary. Nikki like grabbed Bailey's title and was like dancing with it. And Alexa was dancing in the ring and they got mad. It's kind of goofy. So, yeah. uh, but basically what happened to the end, um, bliss got knocked on the outside. So it was really Nikki two on one against Sasha and Bailey. Uh, she was ended up getting one-on-one with Bailey in the ring. And, uh, she was able to hit a tornado DDT on Sasha. Uh, Bailey just made a blind tag and got uh, the pinfall. So it's, yeah, just basically a roll up Cotter. And also I want to note, obviously Bliss and uh, Cross were like despondent on the outside after the match. They were disappointed. They also put a SmackDown fallout. One of those like post things that I, I watched on the YouTube channel, uh, thinking that they might have like some kind of dissension coming between uh, Nikki and Alexa, but not really. They were just backstage and Nikki was talking about how she was like, I knew that they were going to try to pull something like this. I knew it and I still fell for it. And I was like, fell for what? They won the match fair and square. Right. Like they didn't like do anything def- like, you know, they didn't cheat. They didn't do anything crazy. So I, I don't know. It was just not a good look for Nikki Cross going into the pay-per-view. WWE always makes a big deal about roll-ups, like it's some of this big cheating thing that's happening. I don't get it. It's they do wrestling because it's a sports entertainment company, so when people use actual wrestling, uh, right? Consider cheating, right? But they also do it to protect the other person. So it's like they 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 treat it like it's a, a win, but like not really. I don't know. It's stupid. But yeah, so roll-up number two of the night, by the way. So uh, then we had a replay of the Money in the Bank Universal title match, Braun versus Bray. Uh, and they talked about their match coming up, the Swamp match or whatever it's called. Uh, so I'm not going to review this, but Strowman won. Uh, then, and probably the only positive thing to come out of this night, uh, we had Sarah in the back who, you know, much like she interviewed Cesaro Nakamura, she wanted to interview uh, the New Day. and they were fantastic as always. Um, they got a good promo. They they had like a they quoted like a hymnal or something. Uh, yeah, they like talked about the new day. Like it was a good promo. It was like a solid promo. And Biggie was just hilarious the whole time. So it was like I watched it and it was good. But I was just smiling because I was like, this is the only good thing on the show so far, and I'm just yeah. happy that I'm not banging my head against the wall anymore. So. <laughs> Yeah, they're hyping their tag title match for uh, later in the night. So, yeah, the only good thing so far. Then we had uh, in the back Lacey and Naomi preparing for this Kyrgyz showdown, which we had next. So this segment, we had Jey Uso, the one that is not married to Naomi. I was was confused at first because I was like, okay, I I don't know which one this is. And he also called Lacey sexy at one point. I mean, I guess she's a sexy Southern Belle, but he just kind of said it in a way I was like... She's sassy Southern Belle. He's, he called her sexy, I think. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it, it was kind of like, I hope this isn't the one that's married to Naomi that's standing right there. But uh, it was not. 
So he first introduced Lacey Evans and I will say participating in this were Lacey Evans, Naomi, Tamina, and Dana Brooke. So the four girls who are currently not doing anything and not kind of in any kind of program. So uh, we started with Lacey. They fired up the Jeff Jared and Road Dog theme song with my baby tonight. <laughs> she, she sang along with it. Uh, she got through the first verse. I'm sorry. I got to mute myself because I, <laughs> I apologize to everybody listening in their car. Uh, your speakers are now blown, but it's okay. Yeah. So Lacey is, Hey, it's better in this karaoke segment. Uh, Lacey attempts to sing it. She's fine. Like not fine. good. Fine. You're very kind to her. I'm being She's very kind. Fine. None of them were fine. Compared to most, to Dana and Tamina, Lacey was fine. But compared to my dogs howling, she was fine. Sure. So she she made it to the first verse. The second verse started, and then she just like cut it off and just sang the hook again to end it. So she finished. She thought she did great, and they had cheering in the crowd for I don't know what to, I guess to, to say it was over with. Uh, then Dana was next. She had the Honky Tonk Man's theme song. Whatever. So she did her best Elvis moves. Uh, it it was probably okay. on par with like most karaoke's that you see. So like it's it's a straight karaoke. Dana was the best because she was not a good singer, but you know what? She went out there and had a good time and she danced. So I think it's worth saying. I'm a wrestling fan. I'm such a wrestling fan. I'm here part of this wrestling podcast. You know, I keep up with WWE. I don't watch every episode because I don't want to. You know force myself to do that i'm watching this karaoke segment because kyle was just ragging on it so bad and i see dana brooke there and i'm like who is that i know i've seen her before i had no idea who she was i did not i just i did not know it was dana brooke until you just said it was dana brooke i'm like well she's got white that's not Liv morgan who is who is that is that carmella no it's not carmella gosh who is that and then i I mean, I guess Dana Brooks a wrestler. She, I don't know. I know she had that thing on Twitter with Batista, but they just 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 pull anybody out here for karaoke night, I guess. Yeah. So she she had fun, uh, but it was, yeah, it was a terrible performance as far as like her singing goes. Uh, next, we had Tamina performing the Triple H theme song by Motorhead. The time to play the game for performing. Yeah. She did uh, not do nearly as good a job as Dana did. And uh, she didn't even get the words right. Of course, Motorhead famously did not get the words right at WrestleMania either, but right. at least they were on time with the wrong words. Because the, the you know, the time to play the game, that part came up. But Tamina was like, time to play the game. Like, just way <laughs> off. She even went falsetto at one point. And then she started headbanging. And Jay Uso, being the merciless man that he is, cut her off and said, all right, we're done with this. So she didn't even get to sing. Uh, then we had Naomi, who was clearly meant to be the star of this segment, perform the Dusty Rhodes theme song, American Dream. So she does it okay. She's the best singer out of all of them. And she dances. So fine. She finishes. And uh, they get to a fan vote in uh, the you know with the crowd that are like plants. They're all the NXT people. So yeah. obviously they're like, hey, hey guys, no matter what happens, just pick Naomi. 
Uh, I mean, she clearly won, but still. Uh, so they pick Naomi. Nacy, or Lacey does get some cheers. Dana gets some booze, which I was like, okay, come on now. She had fun. And then Jay also had the audacity to like say, what do you think about Tamina? And I was like, you jerk. You didn't even let her finish. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's a jerk. So yeah, Naomi wins. She's celebrating. Everybody's happy. Like Dana and even Tamina are kind of clapping. Uh, Lacey, she gets mad. And I will preface this by saying before this, when they show her warming up in the back, they piped in or either had the plants in the crowd cheer her. So going into this segment, she was the baby face. Now we talked about her non-turn like a long time ago to where they just made her a baby face one night. This was another like just sudden turn. She lost the karaoke showdown and she just attacked Tamina because she lost this stupid karaoke showdown that nobody's going to care about tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. So in my eyes, Lacey is heel and so we had Lacey versus Naomi after this. They just went to commercial break where they're brawling in the ring. Uh, it wasn't a long match, thank God. They're like in. They're not even in ring gear. They're in their performance thing, and like Lacey's got a big red dress on. She even tried to suffocate Naomi. One like she had the entire dress over her face, to like purely to suffocate her, like to kill kill this woman. And so she's beating her up. Uh, at the end of the match, she like goes to the outside. And Dana is like, uh, she gets in Lacey's face and is like, come on now, don't be a sore loser. Why are you doing this? Blah, blah. And then she, she starts yelling at Dana. Tamina steps in. She's like, come on, guys, why are we doing this? Evan shoves her and then gets back in the ring. So both Dana and Tamina climb in the ring and just start beating the snot out at Lacey Evans. So now they're all fighting again and they're just beating each other up. So what I took away from this is, their characters and how these people view these women on the show is that like all women hate each other. They're catty and they're just beating the crap of each other. Cause they lost this stupid, you know, they've had like these disagreements of the last weeks. I mean, they had a segment where they're all standing with each other a couple weeks ago and they were all just like complaining to each other and so naggy and annoying. And I'm like, who am I supposed to cheer for in this? Like who, like none of them, have done anything like honorable. Even when Lacey attacked Naomi, she's like taking her earrings off. She's chunking her like high heel shoes at her. Like, I don't care about any of these women. This sucked. This is horrible. And it just like went perfectly with the show. Is would you say this is the uh worst segment of all time? Listen. You mentioned it before the show started. I I didn't say it was the worst segment of all time. I think Michael was thinking it was the worst it's segment. The worst segment. I've seen some pretty bad segments. I mean, there's been some god awful segments in wrestling. I don't know if this would be the worst. I mean, I I watched worst. it for a second time, and uh, because I, I actually watched the highlight of this first, and then went back and when I watched SmackDown later, I watched it again. I actually laughed a lot the second time around, mainly just because it was so bad, and that I was just I, I was laughing because my girlfriend was watching it with me, and we were just the ridiculousness of it was making me laugh, but it didn't make it any better. Uh, so, I mean, the fact that I, it brought some joy to me says it's not the absolute worst ever, but it was bad and just stupid. Like if, if 90% of the people watching the show turned off this point, like I completely would understand. So yeah. it was not good and didn't no favors to anybody that was involved in it. So yes, it was bad. 
Even Jey Uso, poor Jey Uso was involved in this. That's the best that they could do for him. Just because his tag team partner, his brother, is not there. So after this horrible segment, we had Sarah again having uh, doing an interview in the back, talking to AJ Styles. He points out how he embarrassed Drew Gulak last week. Talked about how you know he embarrassed him. How it's Daniel Bryan's coach. And I did point out last week that Daniel Bryan was putting over Gulak while he was getting destroyed by AJ. So just burying both of them again. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Sarah points out that hey, you got an Intercontinental title shot or championship match next week, uh, and you're defending against Matt Riddle. So apparently Sarah could just make matches now. So, I mean, didn't Charlie start the whole best wrestling match ever? So Yeah. yeah. So anybody can just make matches now, I guess. So uh, that happened. So next week we're going to have Matt Riddle versus AJ, which, hey, is probably going to be real, like a really good match because the first one was. So, yeah, I mean, I'm for it. It just... Yeah, it's just strange that they just announced it. So, whatever. And then we got our main event of the night. The New Day versus Cesaro and Nakamura. And you know what? This was a good match. Until the finish. Which actually makes it worse. Because, I mean, these guys I don't think can have a bad match. Because they're all so talented. Uh, But basically came down the end where they're just having a good fight. They're going back and forth through the whole match. The heels in the end end up tossing Biggie out on the floor. Kazora, uh, Cesaro and Nakamura uh, were going after uh, Kofi, but he's fighting them off on his own. Biggie jumped back in. They like started brawling, and the referee just called disqualification. So this this good match that was going on for the tag team titles, yep, just ended in a DQ. And so afterwards, Cesaro pulls out a table from underneath the ring. The fans start booing for some reason, which. In every other instance that would actually have yeah. fans in the arena, they would probably cheer for the table, and then after they broke for another table. So yeah. clearly, th- these fans don't know wrestling. So, uh, so yeah, they're they're fighting. Uh, they try to fight back, but the heels, you know, regain control. They put Biggie on the table. They give Kingston a power bomb off the top rope through the table, and uh, they leave both of babyfaces laying. And then afterwards. Michael Cole has the audacity to say, you know, maybe, you know, oh yeah, and Cesaro and Nakamura, they went and grabbed the belts and were celebrating with them, even though they got disqualified and ruined their shot. But Cole was there to tell us, maybe this can be the future of Cesaro and Nakamura. Maybe they could eventually be the tag team champions. And I was like, why? They just got themselves disqualified in their title match. Why do they deserve another match? It just, I mean, just stupid booking. It's horrible. This whole show sucked. I hated watching it. It was like a chore to get through, which should never be the case. Uh, like I said, the only good thing about it was the New Day thing. But even my girlfriend didn't like it. She's a pretty casual fan. She was just kind of annoyed by Biggie and Kofi, but I found it funny. And like I said, I smiled through the whole thing, even though they were just their typical New Day self. But it was not enough to bring this out of the depths of you know, whatever hole this show crawled out of. So yes, I'm saying it again. The show gets a straight F. It was horrible. I don't, I'm not looking forward to SmackDown next week. Like I'm not looking forward to the pay-per-view at all. I don't care. It's stupid. It sucked. I'm over it. (laughs) Well, I am very sorry that you feel that way. Um, But I'm sure I would feel the same way if I watched it. So I mean, you than me, I normally they'll be, they'll do like, 
bad segments or something, but then the wrestling's good. But right. this, didn't even, this, this wasn't even a saving grace for the show. That could have maybe given it a D. Because, I mean, obviously the karaoke segment was just like horrible. And they're just running out of ideas at this point. I mean, they replayed, you know, the pay-per-view main event. That was not even any good through the, like the a majority of the show. Yeah. Yeah, it just... Well, folks, and then the well, long folks. matches had like roll-up and DQ finishes. So nothing paid off. It was just stupid. It was horrible. So yeah, nothing redeemable about the show. Next week, Kyle's review of NXT will be here. <laughs> I'm taking a vacation. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, we're going to take a short break. We're going to pay some bills. And we'll be right back with part two where I review WWE Raw. You need to pay me some bills for watching this stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. No, wait. That's not right. This is the second part. Oh, Jesus. Welcome back. Yeah, there you go. Thank you for that. That's very helpful, Micah. You're welcome. <laughs> you take. You took such a long vacation off, Matt, you don't even know what you're doing anymore. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> absolutely no idea. Uh, speaking of no idea what you're doing, let's talk about WWE Raw. Mm. Just I'm WWE kidding. in general? It wasn't that bad. It, it, really, it really wasn't that bad. But there were some things... There were some things. Let's talk about it. And I'm going to try to get through this quickly. I know Raw is an hour longer than AEW and SmackDown, so I usually spend more time on it. I'm going to try to run through this, but there was a lot that happened. So Raw opens up the same way it does every single week with people in the ring talking. MVP and Dolph Ziggler are out there, and Drew McIntyre interferes. He tells Ziggler that does he want to fight now, and... Ziggler says no, and McIntyre says, that's cool, I can wait, then punches Ziggler in the face. It was great, McIntyre is awesome, and bluntly, he's not a dork. He's not a dork like so many baby faces, right? Like when Seth Rollins, and I know I rag on him a lot, but when Seth was a baby face, he was booked as a dork. Drew McIntyre just doesn't care. He's just out there having fun. He knows he's a bad dude. Yeah, I love it. I love Drew McIntyre. And I think he's a wonderful champion. I hope he holds on to it for a long time. The rumor is he may be dropping it to Randy Orton, but we'll find out. Yeah, I feel like Heyman did a really good job protecting him as far as like yeah. not making him look dumb. They've done a couple things with him to where I was like, uh, I don't think Heyman would have gone for that since right. uh, Pritchard's taken over. But for the most part, they've kept it on him. Uh, I mean, they should keep it on him for a while, in my opinion, because I think he's the only really awesome baby face on this show. Right. But that's just me. What do I know? Mm. <laughs> True. So we immediately go backstage to Charlie Caruso, who's there with Zelina, Angel Garza, and Andrade. And of course, she's smitten with Angel Garza, because why isn't she? Angel Garza starts to cut a promo, but Zelina Vega interrupts. But what's really important is the Viking Raiders also interrupted, and they're setting up their match for tonight, which will be an elimination tag team match which I was very excited for because I love elimination tag team matches and I can't remember the last time I've seen one. But what's important is Ivar grabs the rose out of Angel Garza's hand, who was about to give it to Charlie. He then gives it to Charlie and Charlie sells this like a mad woman. She is just so infatuated with Ivar and like... After even after they walk away, Angel Garza is like, oh, "Whoa, um, I'm like, I'm right here. Please look at me like I'm a piece of meat." 
And then the camera slowly zooms in on a very sad Angel Garza, and we go to commercial. A lot of people didn't like the segment, and was it dumb? Yes. But Angel Garza's face, as it was fading out, just made everything for me. I love this. That sounds kind of entertaining. It was so good. It was so good. And we'll have to ask the women in our life, we'll have to show them a picture of Ivar and a picture of Angel Garza, and say, which one of these two men do you find more attractive? And how many how many women, out of 100 women, how many is going to pick Ivar? I feel like our wives... I think it's going to come down to who looks best holding a turkey leg. <laughs> I think our wives would pick Ivar because I feel like on the spectrum we look more like Ivar than we do like Angel Garza. <laughs> that is that's very likely, so. yes. So let me tell you why elimination matches are sometimes bad. Uh, when you have an elimination match, what should happen is you should have a regular match with a regular finish, and then someone should be eliminated, and the match should continue. That's not what happened. Eric was eliminated in about two minutes. Why? Because it was an elimination match. I was not happy with this. That's not how that works. Because, yeah. Eric is supposed to be... I mean, the Viking Raiders are supposed to be these bad-to-the-bone guys. Uh... And they, they, well, yes, <laughs> but... They get put in this crap with the Street Profits. They do carpool karaoke. And then now they, they get attacked by a tentacle monster and some ninjas. And now you have one of them losing in... It was literally two and a half minutes. I mean, literally two and a half minutes. Go back and time it. And it was just so disappointing what they're doing with these guys. Makes you wonder... Like, no wonder guys like FTR are leaving. I just... I don't get it. I don't understand. Visit Man just gets so bored with his toys. I just don't like it. I want to know uh, who on the WWE writing team is such a fan of karaoke that we've had two bad karaoke segments this year. Yeah. So Like they didn't learn no, from the first one? No. Oh, I know the problem. It was in a car. We need to have it in the ring. <laughs> and with so, wrestler songs. The long and short of it is Ivar then is taking it to him two-on-one. He eliminates Andrade, and then he's about to beat Angel Garza. But Andrade, who had been arguing with Angel Garza earlier in the night, and of course in the last couple months, grabs Garza's leg, puts it on the ropes. He falls back down to the ground as Zelina Vega calls for the ref. The ref sees the leg on the rope. And then Ivar like climbs on the top rope and just like jumps off. And like you always know that that's like is wrestling fake? That's how you know. Because they just like hop off, like you know, they're preparing to be attacked. And then Angel Garza like catches him in this weird powerbomb thing and gets the three count. It was it was fine. It was just fine. The match was good. And then after it was over, Angel Garza goes outside, him and Andrade give a fist bump, and they say, Yes, we're on the same page, and then they leave. We move on to Sarah backstage. She's backstage with Ruby Riot, and she's like, hey, uh, the Bright Squad's really been bullying you. Would you like to say anything? And then Peyton and Billy come up, and they're like, actually, we we have that. And I, I said the Riot Squad, I apologize. I meant the Iconics. And uh, Peyton and Billy come up, and they say, you know, we'll, we'll take care of this. Well, you see, Ruby, we both beat you in singles matches, but unfortunately you have no friends, so I guess we're supposed to have a tag team match tonight, but I guess it's going to be two-on-one. Now, so they just made a tag match where she didn't have a partner. Do what now? They just they they came out and said that they had a tag match later tonight. Yes, but like she just didn't have a partner. 
They're like, hey, right. Ruby, by the way, we're going to book you in a tag match against Peyton and Billy because you've lost to them in singles matches two weeks in a row. Uh, we know you don't have a partner, so uh, good luck. Yes. So as a wrestling fan, that's that specific segment has happened so many times, it just blows my mind. Here's a tag team match. You need to go find someone. And the Hills are like, eh, nobody likes you. You won't find anybody. And then, of course, they do because they always do. Maybe the, maybe the Miz made this match. Maybe. <laughs> but in this scenario, Ruby's like, actually, I, I have a friend right now. And she, like, turns around and she's like, hey, why don't you? That's your cue. Go and come on out. And everyone was expecting Liv Morgan. But there's been rumors that she has coronavirus or has been around people with coronavirus. So what it came down to is Bianca Belair came out. Which is really nice because we haven't seen Bianca Belair in quite some time. They insult the Iconics and her and Ruby Riot leave. So actually, a little bit, a little bit, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. I saw uh, a picture somewhere, probably Instagram or something, of Bianca Belair going up against like uh, Billy Kay or something like that, and I was like, yeah. what? I was like, I don't think she'd be on Raw lately because. When I don't get to catch Raw, I'll catch the highlights or, you know, at least look up the results. And so I'd know, like, what segments happen that, I, you know, they don't have – because they don't show all the highlights sometimes. And I was like, when do they wrestle? And so I looked at it and saw on uh, the Observer Wrestling Observer website, they they fought each other on main event. And I was like, where – is main event still on? I didn't even know that was yeah. still a thing. So I was like, okay, whatever. And so last week, I see Bianca Belair versus Peyton. And I was like, was that on Raw? Did she debut on Raw? And like, like, did they make it a story or something? Once again, she fought her on main event. And I was like, okay, this is just weird. Because they're on Raw every week, and they're beating up on Ruby. But Bianca's beat both of them on main event, supposedly. And so I was like, where is this even airing? Like, I haven't seen anything. I even went on the YouTube, uh, <laughs> WWE's YouTube, where I normally, like, find stuff. Nothing. It's not there. So I'm like, what is... I went on WWE.com. It wasn't on the website list anywhere. I like went through shows. They have 205 Live, which is still a thing. They have like all this other crap. No mention of main event. I, I went on the WWE Network and I'm like, where is this show at? <laughs> they have it on there, but they only have up to like two weeks ago or like three weeks ago. They don't even have the episode up. And so I don't know if they mentioned anything about WWE main event. Like, I kind of put it in the back of my mind. I'm like, I guess she'll eventually come back to the main they roster. definitely did not mention it. Like, they, had, like, they hadn't seen Bianca Belair in forever. Because supposedly that was supposed to be the connection. And I was like, okay, if you don't know that, and they didn't mention it, why in the world is Bianca coming back and being friendly with Ruby Riot? And why right. is she facing the Iconics? Just, yeah, it makes zero sense. And I, and I tried to go find this. I tried to go find either of these matches and could not find them. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they would have ever predicted that, you know, she would be involved with the Iconics in some way. Yeah, absolutely no idea. No clue. So, short version is Ruby Wright and Bianca Belair win in just a few minutes uh, with Bianca, Bianca Belair getting a pin count over, I think it was Billy Kay. Yeah, so, and she, yeah. yeah, like I said, she's beaten them both on main event before. So, well, <laughs> she beats is, them again. Uh, Fun fact, this is Ruby Riot's first win on television since February of 2019. 
And she didn't even make the pin. No. But hey, it went to win, right? Yeah. And at least it wasn't a DQ or yeah. a roll-up. Yeah. So R-Truth is backstage with Richard O'Shea, everyone's favorite Irish wrestler, and uh, Cedric the Entertainer. And he's like, hey, Richard, what's up? And then Cedric calls Ricochet Richard, and he's like, hey, man. It was, it was kind of funny. And uh, R-Truth's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to wrestle Ric Flair tonight. And they're like, hey, man, I think Ric Flair actually accepted on behalf of Randy Orton. You're wrestling Randy Orton. He's like, nah, I'm wrestling Ric Flair. And they're like, no, you're wrestling Randy Orton. And the poor guy looks like he's seen a ghost. He walks past them to see a Takira Tozawa standing there with ninjas. Of course. And he's like, hey, Tozawa, I know we haven't been friendly lately, but I'm going to need you to teach me. I'm going to need you to teach me how to be a black belt in karate in like five minutes. And Tozawa just like stares at him. He goes, no. And then he tries to roll him up. He fails. R-Tooth is like, all right, let's go to the ring. Let's settle this. Because that's how the 24-7 title works now. Uh, Tozawa and R-Tooth are in the ring now because a commercial break happened. Uh, Tozawa has his ninjas. And then as R-Tooth is about to cut a promo, no, whose music hits but Shayna Baszler's. Shayna comes out. Tozawa sends his ninjas to Shayna Baszler. And she absolutely murders these guys. Tozawa, like, is terrified and you know, runs out of the ring. And she's staring at R-Truth. And the announcers are like, Hey, Truth, you uh, might not, might want, not, might not want to do this. You might want to, might want to back up here. But, like, do they not take R-Truth seriously either? Because, like, if they don't, we shouldn't. Because I understand Shayna Baszler is a really like, really tough person. But R-Truth is a 20-something-year veteran. You gotta give him some kind of do. Also, he's champion. And he's jacked. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It made him look super, super weak. I don't care that Chizawa looks weak. He's amazing, but he's made it look like an idiot, so it doesn't matter. Um, and R-Truth is Yeah, yeah. So, R-Truth <laughs> basically says, I, uh, I'm a leave, though. And he does. She stares at him the whole time. And she grabs a mic. She says that she's been patient, that she is has allowed every all the girls on Raw to have their fun, but I'm done with that. And I'm gonna take all these weak-minded women's champions. They're running around fooling themselves. What are the what are the words? That they're in control. Uh, and then she basically says she's going to destroy them. She's gonna hit them with a hard dose of reality. And she is reality. Her music hits, she walks away. It was great. And you know, all the rumors have been saying that Vince McMahon is absolutely done. With um, with Shanna Baszler, and it looks like that's not the case anymore. I am so there for Shanna versus Asuka. I have been wanting this for a while. They are arguably the two most uh, two most successful NXT Women's Champions of all time, and I'd love to see that. Well, Matt, as you recall, uh, before she just ceremoniously left, and she was breaking people's arms and stuff, but. Yeah. She did have a little spat with Asuka and also Nia Jax. So I am too looking forward to her match with Asuka if she gets there. Uh, yeah. Well, let's just hope she doesn't uh, have a match with Nia Jax first because she might kill her. That's correct. I don't know, man. I, I think Shayna in real life could uh, take Nia pretty easily. Oh, I'm sure she probably could, but. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Ring mistakes happen, especially when Nia's in the ring. Uh, so we go. Rey Mysterio. He is, uh, it's announced that he's having an eye for an eye match with Mr. Seth Rollins. 
You go backstage, and Seth Rollins is there with his little buddy Murphy. And Buddy's like, hey, uh, hey, Seth, you're not really going to try to take out his eye, are you? Like, he's not really going to happen. And Seth's like, look, man, nothing of significance happens without sacrifice. Remember, Ray asked for this. He says, I want you to focus on your match with Aleister Black. I have a message to deliver. He goes to the ring. He cuts a pretty stinking good promo because Seth Rollins, when he's a heel and he's allowed to do what he wants, he is a very good promo. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not very long because Kevin Owens comes out and gives the line of the night. And Kevin Owens says, look, Seth, you have done something that no one has ever done before. You have made Rey Mysterio someone that basically everyone in every wrestling locker room in the world respects. You've made him want to do something so despicable. He said, you've put him in a place similar to where you put me in our match at WrestleMania. And so Owen says that his good friend Jean-Pierre Lafitte, who was a pirate in WWE and who is uh, Ring of Honor champion PCO, uh, one half of the Quebecers, he says, he gave me, gave me a gift for you, and he pulls out an eye patch. Uh, Rollins and Kevin Owens continue to to yell at each other as Buddy Murphy comes out because Seth calls him out. Alistair Black music hits, and then we go to commercial. Come back to commercial, we get Alistair Black versus Murphy. Is it good? Well, no, it's not. And these two guys put on three absolute classics week after week after week on Monday Night Raw. This match was just a few minutes, and then it got disqualified because Alistair Black hit him, hit Buddy Murphy with a black mass, and then Seth Rollins pulls him out of the ring when he's got him covered. So, disqualification. Welcome to WWE. Yeah, this this man has no idea what to do with Aleister Black. No clue. Clear. No, which is unfortunate. He's so good. Yep. So, uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins are now wrestling. Is this match good? Yes, it is. But it's super weird because now Rey Mysterio and Dominic are also out there, and they are surrounding the ring. I don't know where Buddy Murphy is. No clue. But Seth Rollins is wrestling Kevin Owens, and he has a bunch of baby faces surrounding the ring and intimidating him. Now, it was a little okay just for the sheer fact that people hate Seth, and that is pushing, you know, it, I don't want to complain about it because I feel like so many baby faces are so dumb, and they're like, how dare we attack this guy, you know, four-on-one, five-on-one, but the reality is someone like Seth Rollins deserves it. So I don't want to complain about it too much, but it was a little weird to see all these baby faces surround the ring against just Seth Rollins. Uh, the short version is Kevin Owens wins because Seth Rollins was distracted. So, yeah, uh, it was really dumb. It didn't really predict, protect Seth, and I feel like it didn't make Kevin Owens look as strong as he should, but whatever. Kevin beat him clean at WrestleMania, so it's fine. Um, we go, Ray Mysterio has a promo. We go backstage, and Big Show and Ric Flair have an absolutely incredible encounter. And Ric Flair's like, hey, listen, show, look, you and I have a big history. I love you. He puts over Big Show, says, you know, out of all the big men that I've fought in my career, none of them has been as athletic as, athletic as you. But look, even The Rock. He wrestled The Undertaker, right? Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> okay, but he's talking about sure. like super, super heavyweights like okay. Andre and, you know. The two of them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he says, you know, I just, 
I want you to rethink what's going on because even the rock and he name drops the rock and says, even the rock won't come back because you can't go to Hollywood and then come back and enter this business, which makes no sense because the rock came back and did WrestleMania and won the WWE championship. But that's another thing. And he says, look, Randy Orton is the greatest in the world right now. And I think you should just go back, live on your Netflix paycheck, make some money, live the good life. And he taps him on the chest, says, I love you, brother, and leaves. But as he's leaving, Big Show grabs him by the arm and says, look, Rick, I love you too, but I know what you're trying to do. There's no one better than you at this. You are an absolute master at what you've just tried to do. But I want you to do something for me. I want you to go tell Randy Orton that, no, 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 excuse me. He says, Randy Orton has absolutely no empathy and that tonight... Orton is going to face one of our friends, R-Truth. And he says, Rick, are you willing to give up your friendships so Randy Orton can be the legend killer again? And Ric Flair just kind of looks a little confused and walks off. And it was just so, so good. But how can it not be? Ric Flair, right? And the Big Show's great, too. It was just, it was so many cool little callbacks. They name-dropped. The biggest star in wrestling history. Maybe not the biggest wrestling star, but the biggest star in wrestling history. And they played off of their history. So even, you know, long-term fans get something out of this. New fans get something out of this. It was just so, so good. I loved this segment. That may be true, but uh, speaking of Legend Killer, I can't believe Ric Flair is still on the show. And in the state okay. of Florida. Yes, I, I understand. <laughs> yes, I get it. So we, we go to break, we come back from the break, and then Randy Orton kind of explains how he became the legend killer. He basically destroyed a bunch of old guys. Um, he says, you know, I I used to have friends in this business, and they say that if you leave the business with just a couple friends, you've done well. He said, guys like Edge, Christian, Ric Flair, Big Show, they were my friends. And a matter of fact, Big Show's one of the first people to take me under his wing. He said, but I'm not really worried about a few fractured skulls ending my relationship with these guys. And I look to Ric Flair as family, but it would be a shame if Ric Flair did anything to jeopardize that. Now, I've been thinking for weeks that Ric Flair is the legend. So at some point, Orton is, Orton is definitely going to turn on him. Flair can't take an RKO, but he can take a punt because he doesn't have to do anything but twist his body. So... Uh, after he says that, Ric Flair, who did not hear him, even though he was right there, walks up to Orton. He's like, hey, man, it's it's time. You ready? And Orton says, sorry, man, I'll be right there. Go ahead. Rick walks off. Orton stares at the camera. And we'll go to a commercial. And it was great. R-Tooth comes out. Then Ric Flair comes out. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know that we respect you. We love you. And that's why Orton is not going to punt you in the head. He's only going to give you the RKO. Orton beats R-Truth in about eight seconds. It was a Brock Lesnar-Kofi Kingston moment. Um, and then he hit, after he hit him with the Yeah. <laughs> after he hit him with the RKO to win, he pretends like he's going to punt him in the head. And then Big Show, who's very angry about this, slowly staggers down the ramp because he's old and huge and his bones probably aren't great right now. <laughs> It's true. Like, what yeah. has he just like? He's like, 
he's coming to save him, right? He just like slowly walks down because Orton can't punt anyone if someone else's music is playing, right? Sure. So uh, MVP and Bobby Lashley come up backstage and MVP's like, hey, Cedric, you, uh, w- what you been thinking? And Cedric's like, no, nah, man, I'm not into that. And Ricochet's like, what? What's he talking about? And uh, Cedric's like, it's nothing, man. It's nothing. And so MVP's like, no, nah, I, I want you to, I want you to join us. And Cedric says no, and they that MVP should worry about Apollo Cruz. And so MVP and Bobby Lashley have a little bit of banter, and they're like, "No, man, we're we're good, no problem. Lashley's going to beat Ricochet tonight. It'll be great." So then, as they walk away, Sarah pulls a Charlie, and she's like, "Hey, there's someone else." And she runs up to Drew McIntyre, and she's like, "Hey, how do you prepare for a? It's what happened. How do you prepare for a match that you don't know what the stipulation will be?" And Drew starts to respond, and then Ziggler comes up and attacks him. But I legitimately didn't know what happened because I heard, ah! and it was Ziggler, like, jumping up and attacking with, like, this super high-pitched squeal. It was it was really strange. Uh, he attacks Drew. Officials break it up. It's fine. Sarah does run around page. backstage and interview random people. Like, yes. she's on SmackDown. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and makes matches, today. apparently. Yeah. Bobby Lashley beat Ricochet in no time. Uh, Cedric Alexander comes in to make the save, but Bobby Lashley has put both of them in his master lock. I believe he is calling it the... Uh, just a full Nelson lock. I think I don't think he has a name for it. It's not the Lasher lock? No, I don't think so. The Lashley lock actually sounds good. And with all the alliteration that wrestlers like to do, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. So, we talk about the horror show at Extreme Rules. We go down the card... Uh, Charlie's backstage at the big show, and she's like, Randy Orton challenged you to an unsanctioned match, which I forgot to mention. That is what happened. And uh, Big Show is like, yes, I accept. And then walks away. Fine. And then your main event is the Kabuki Warriors versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Now, I have given this show a decent amount of crap. Probably not as much as it deserves, because I enjoyed the the... Wrestling, you have good wrestling on a wrestling show. I will overlook the crap. This match was really good. Really good. Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Kyrie Sane and Asuka. Of course it's going to be. There were so many sections in this match that I just knew was the ending. Asuka had Sasha Banks in an Asuka lock forever. And she was bending her in half. And Sasha Banks got a rope break. There was a spot where Kyrie Sane did the insane elbow onto Sasha. And unfortunately, this is WWE. That would have been the finisher in AEW. Because in AEW, the person that is not pinning the the opponent is watching out for their tag team partner. But since it's WWE, Asuka's just like staring and celebrating that the match is over. And Bailey breaks it up. But it was, it was, it was just, this match was really good. Uh, but Sasha Banks hit the bank statement or or locked in the bank statement on Kyrie Sane. And Kyrie bent back so far that I'm surprised she is still in one piece. Surprised we don't have two Kyrie Sanes, you know, two half Kyrie Sanes running around somehow. Well, if uh, she could survive uh, matches with Nia Jax, then I, I exactly. think she could, uh, she could be torqued back like this. Yep, there you go. Uh, and of course, Kyrie Sane taps out to this. Um, after the match, Sasha Banks and Bailey celebrate. Uh, before the match, I do want to say that they cut a promo that was pretty good. They are calling themselves the Golden Role Models, 
which if you are a New Japan wrestling fan, you will know that Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi called themselves the Golden Lovers. And uh, this is a callback to that, as most WWE fans won't get that, but this is a call to that as they were saying they're better than this team and this team and this team, saying they're the Golden Role Models. It's absolutely perfect. I love that touch. Uh, The show as a whole was pretty good for a Raw, uh, but that main event was just absolutely incredible. I loved everything about it. Um, Was this show better than AEW? No, but on the Raw scale... It definitely gets a B plus because that main main event was absolute fire. Yeah, I will say too, Sasha and Bailey, uh, though their characters, like they don't really they're they're heels. I get it, and I, I think they're eventually going to try and lead. I mean, maybe they've abandoned it. I don't know, but eventually going to try and lead to them breaking up. I don't know who I'm going to cheer for because they're both pretty horrible people as far as characters go. Uh, but they have been basically working both shows nonstop and putting on really good matches when they get a good shot. at. I mean, even the match ahead on SmackDown that I gave an F was decent until yeah. the, the, I mean the finish really. And they've been performing really well. I mean, pretty much with anybody that they've worked with. So I got to give them credit. They've, uh, they've been doing really well on both shows and yeah, this, this match is awesome. Obviously Oscar and Kyrie saying are great. So it's kind of hard to have a bad match with him. But yeah, and if I had to say out of all the, these uh, these horrible WWE shows that have been going on, if there is a team or you know some people who could get a brass ring from me, I think it would be Sasha and Bailey because, like I said, they've been working really hard through this pandemic, really holding up you know some of these matches on these shows. So um, they've been great, and uh, yeah. and they've honestly they've been pretty good as heels too. They they've been a good heel team. So. Uh, they're almost always great. They yeah. really are. So yeah, they've they've grown on me a little bit as heels, but uh, yeah. I, so I, I'd almost rather them just not even break up at this point because why? But you know how WWE right. is. They eventually got to do it. So, uh, but yeah, it was a great main event. Yeah. So before we close, because this has been kind of a quicker show, we've had a little over an hour and a half now. Let's talk a little bit about Fight for the Fall, and let's just make some super quick predictions. No reasons for it. Just I want you guys to give me a winner, okay? All right, who's writing them down? Uh, we're going to let Micah do it this time, as I feel he'll do a better job than you did, as you didn't do it. But to be fair, you thought I did it. So there you go. Misunderstanding. So uh, we, yeah, you, one you, of us you only host a show and stuff, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. I'm just the graphics guy. All right, I want you guys to give me a winner, and we're only going to do four matches because that's all that's announced. I know they've announced the Nightmare Sisters, but in action is not a full match. So here we go. Okay. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express. Micah. Uh, first of all, they're called the Elite. The the Excuse elite. me. Uh, I'm going. I'm going with the Elite. Okay, Kyle. Um. Uh... You know what, just to be different, because I, I have a feeling, Matt, you might pick uh, the Elite as well. I'm going to pick my boys, the uh, Luchasaurus, who's it, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. Yeah. Because they uh, they didn't let me down for the uh, the first night of uh, Fighter Fest uh, when I picked them, so I'm going to pick them here again. Okay. I'm also going to pick, no, I'm just kidding. I'm taking the Elite in this match. Uh, Cody versus Sonny Kiss. I will pick Cody. Kyle? Uh, Cody, obviously. Micah? Yeah. We're, we're obviously Cody. Oh, right. 
FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. Kyle. Uh, I'm going to go FTR here. I, I mean, we thought we were gonna, they were going to win the uh, four-person match but or the eight-person match. But, um, I mean, it was a crazy match. Anything could happen, and it definitely did happen. So, But I, I feel like they, they got to put over FTR here. I think they're going to run through a lot of the tag teams before they get to hold the belts eventually. So, got to give it to FTR. Micah? I'm going to say FTR. I don't want it to be FTR, but I think that probably makes the most logical sense for them to, to choose FTR because, I mean, they just came in. They're this big name. They don't need to keep losing. But I want Lucha Brothers to win, and I want Lucha Brothers to take the titles off of Kenny and Hangman. I, not now, but I want them to be the ones to do it. And then I want to have FTR chase them, and then you have Young Bucks chase them, and it'll be great, and we'll get a lot of good matches out of it. But I feel like FTR is going to win this one. Yeah, I agree. FTR wins. Uh, John Moxley versus Bryant Cage, Micah. Uh, I think Mox is going to win. I don't really have okay. a lot of a reason. I think he's going to win. I don't know if this is true, but this is listed as for the AEW and FTW titles. Really? I wonder if they're going to merge them. Yeah, that's it what happened be, back in the day in ECW. It would be great if Moxley got it and then just like threw away the FTW title. Like, this doesn't matter. Yeah. This is yeah. a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle? Yeah, I, I'm thinking Mox is going to win. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't mind him having both belts. I mean, he, yeah. he's he's a bad MFer, so why not carry that title around? Mox is the guy that could pull off a FTW title. I also believe John Moxley will win. So there you go, guys. We agree with most things, but this is, I think, a pretty predictable card. But I think the reality is sometimes that's okay. We're going to get some really good matches out of this. FTR versus Lucha Brothers is going to tear the house down. Mm-hmm. The Elite and Jurassic Express is going to be absolutely incredible. Don't Mox let me down, Jurassic Jurassic boys. Yeah, Mox and, Mox and Brian Cage is going to be incredible. Uh, Cody and Sonny Kiss, we'll see. It could be good. We'll see. It could. <laughs> we, it could we, be good. We all guessed the same, except for Kyle that went for Jurassic Express. So yeah. I'm sure that uh, yeah. the one is going to to break the tie. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Wrestle Life Radio. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You can follow us all on on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMap. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can follow Micah nowhere. That's right. Unless you unless me. you like see him in his truck, then you can follow him. Don't follow me. Well, don't <laughs> don't put that out there. <laughs> his his truck plate is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for hanging out with us. We definitely appreciate you, and we hope you have an absolutely wonderful day.